and welcome to the Podcast of Power, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. This week we're continuing the final season, which, uh, with what I believe is probably its weakest link, uh, episode two, Launch. Yes. Um, it's... It's better than I remembered in some capacities, and way worse in others. Yes. I don't think it's as bad as the coronation, because the coronation is simply just all the time bad. All the time, all the time. And really doesn't have many, uh, like, up points until the very, like, the final act. Uh, but there's certainly some stuff to discuss here in this episode, and we, we will be spending most of our time on that because most of the other... This is a kind of uh, supporting characters episode. We're catching up with the rest of the princesses, uh, getting a bit lo- uh, further along in their arcs because we, we don't have a lot more time with some of them. Yeah, we're, we're, getting, we're getting a lot of side, uh, side arcs out of the way here. Uh, weirdly, not any, like, Spinarella or Natasa content, which you'd think they'd be participating in this, but I guess they just didn't really fit into the, the narrative that well. But, um, but yeah, um, we're also going to be structuring this episode a little bit weird. Um, we're going to be kind of taking everything out of order after the campfire scene. Um, that way we can save most of our, like, entrapped discussion for the end, because there's, there's stuff to talk about there. Mm-hmm. So, let's just go ahead and get started chronologically. Um, we open with Horde Prime delivering a message to the people of Etheria, which is... My message to the world! Yeah, exactly. Um, Horde Prime would like to make an announcement, and he is calling out Adora. I'd like to make an announcement. Yellow gumball... <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, he's basically just telling Etheria, bring me She-Ra and I will spare your world. Um, you know, the you know the kind of usual villain stuff. Uh, he, he delivers this message, of course, in the most theatrical way possible via uh, Titanic uh, holograms projected from his towers. Oh, you know, naturally, naturally. Uh, he's, he's just got like... God, like probably like 300 foot tall holograms of himself basically spaced out every two miles over the course of the entire planet. It's a pretty expensive way of uh, of broadcasting a message, but I guess this isn't exactly a planet where everyone has a television, so... Yeah, he had to make sure everyone saw this. Um, and then is when we cut to Adora on the floor... Uh, unable to move because she hasn't been sleeping. Uh, Bo walks in, you know, get ready, getting ready to give her some morning tea or something. Immediately panics because she's just face down on the floor. Yeah, she she did roll out of the floor and face plant. She's the girl is not used to having to sleep. It's it's actually really funny. So like, because because she's Bo's like you know normal people when we run into battle and we do a bunch of physical exertion. Uh, we get really tired and have to rest, and she's like, "This is awful. This is miserable. How do you live like this?" Yeah, she's had like been pumped full of magic for so long that she forgot what rest is, because she was never part of any large scale campaigns with the Horde, as far as we know. Like that uh, op on Thamor was, I believe, supposed to be her first mission, and so she's never really seen com like serious, you know, combat without the Shira powers until now, and she's not handling it very well no she's having a bad time i mean the girl has never exactly had what i would consider to be like a healthy relationship to rest no but like this this season in particular she is uh she is truly exhausted and uh and Bo, the poor boy is doing his absolute best but nobody seems to to be willing to let the girl rest even a little bit you've got swift <laughs> swift wind slicing a horse-shaped hole inside of the tent you have uh frosta and micah running in and screaming uh and trapta trying to take like scientific logs like everyone is just bothering a door and bows is just out of his mind it's like we he she just needs to sleep go away she just needs sleep like he he is 85 percent of the way to his own nervous breakdown just based on how nobody else 
understands anything. Uh, I do. I really like the line deliveries on uh, Frosta and Micah. There, they're very funny. <sighs> they're really good. Frosta's like panicked scream and then micah is just like he's he is he is not quite yelling but he is talking very loudly and very quickly yeah just 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 clueless just truly clueless and so we we as adora like she's already passed out as soon as uh, her pillow hit the head with the assistance from Swiftwind. her pillow hit the head her head hit the pillow uh what do you think about it really <laughs> How, what came what comes first i'm talking quantum physics here does your pillow hit the head or does the head hit the pillow it's impossible to say. That's true. Anyway, we're, it's, it's campfire time. We're on the campfire. All of the supporting characters are talking about how they're going to rescue Glimmer. Yeah. Well, well. most importantly, they're saying that, you know, they're, they're not exactly confident in their chances right now. Because, you know, even, even if Adora wasn't down for the count, which is already a pretty big problem because she's the plans maker, um, they have absolutely no clue how they could possibly find uh, where Glimmer is. Yes. Luckily, Entrapta believes that she can track the, uh, the, the, the signal to the spaceship. We'll get back to this in a bit. Uh, so let's, let's take the, the side bits here first. I guess first I'll start with the C-plot, I suppose, with Adora. Um, there's just a few quick scenes with her. So over the course of the episode, she like gets up and has a vision quest, uh, basically. Like, it appears that she gets up and gets dressed to follow this, this like, phantasm of She-Ra out of, out of the tent, but it's pretty clear that she's dreaming or something. Yeah, she, I believe this is still, like, a sort of a waking dream situation. She's, like, she gets up and follows sort of the, the spirit of She-Ra deeper into the Whispering Woods until she gets to, like, just, like, another pocket of it, and she gets sort of, uh, transported to uh the portal field uh the one that uh that she came through as a, as a little infant baby and uh she has sort of a small conversation with uh with sort of the spirit here very one-sided conversation yes it's an extremely one-sided conversation there's not ex- exactly a lot that the spirit of Shira seems to uh want to say but adora has kind of like like a moment where she sort of commiserates about how like being Shira gave her this like really strong sense of purpose and destiny and how now she feels really lost because it turns out that she was never really special to begin with like she was never like this chosen one she it was sort of luck of the draw at the end of the day and she ends up sort of she feels really lost right now without the the power and direction that that the sword gave her um but she also i think is pretty happy that a lot of that responsibility feels like it's been lifted off of her and she she does ultimately reach uh reach a conclusion that again last episode really builds up for her which is to say that you know, she might not know what her destiny is anymore, but she does know she's going to figure it out, and she's going to figure it out with her friends. And and that's, again, it's another it's another stepping stone for her. It's not as big as last episode, but this is this is important. I would say this is this is about as big as as last episode. This is like her internalizing what what Bo said to her, basically, like the the spirit isn't communicating anything to her. If if anything, this might just be her talking to her own subconscious through the lens of Shira, and of course it, is, it could also just be this the 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 ephemeral magical spirit of Shira just guiding her somewhere but it really is just her holding like looking into a mirror and, and trying to figure out where she sits in the world and ultimately coming out of it a bit more certain and a bit more like prepared to to do what what has to come next yeah it's it's good and and yeah i think i think it was overall really good scene uh big fan of this scene um and and when she when she does get back you know she tells about you know what i i i you know that was that was great i had a great nap i feel amazing now um Bo has bad news for her but we'll get to that later in the meantime there is there is another plot in here and it's vaguely the b plot uh, which is some stuff aboard the Velvet Glove. So we first open on the Velvet Glove with Glimmer pacing around her cell restlessly um, until she hears someone. 
uh, her she she her door is basically in two way mirror mode. She can't see out, but whoever is on the other side can see in. Um, and she is just like yelling at whoever's on the other side to show themselves and, and you know speak to her. And we see the person standing on the other side is Catra, who is just kind of silently standing there. It's uh, difficult to tell what exactly she's uh, wanting to do, if anything. Yeah, she's got a very neutral expression. She's just sort of there. And she very clearly doesn't want to leave. But I I think for her, largely, it's just there's a sense of comfort in just seeing a familiar face on such an alien, like in such an alien environment for her. But uh, she doesn't get very long to sort of get that comfort because pretty much immediately one of the clones shows up to uh, berate her for disobeying uh, Lord Prime's orders. And, you know, Catra at first tries to do her sort of usual sort of rapport with, like, underlings or whatever. She's like, oh, well, you know, I'm sure Lord Prime isn't gonna care, and it'll be fine. Like, he has better things to do, but that's that kind of talk does not fly here. Yeah, no. He immediately just sort of goes off on her and, and starts, like, yelling at her about she she is less than the dirt beneath his feet. Um, she's getting kind of freaked out by all this talk. And that only, you know, uh, it, it, that's not improved by what happens next, which is the clone, you know, contorts and uh, kind of you hear bones cracking. And it turns out... Very wet bone yeah, crunching noises, by the way. It's not good noises. Turns out Horde Prime can possess any of his clones at any time and speak through them and see through their eyes. Yes, it's it's generally quite horrifying. Like Katra, prior to this, when the the clone is really getting her, is like visibly shaking. But when that happens, she is dead still, and her her eyes, like her 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 pupils, get real tiny. Like she like that's way scarier because this dude can at any time just appear in another dude and just just he he can see and know anything she's doing ever and there's nothing she can do about it which is sort of the point of him doing that right like he's he's trying to like impress upon her just how like like she can't get away with anything here there is no way to to sort of sneak around this guy his his surveillance is too all-encompassing and too complete he basically has walking security cameras in every portion of the known universe, there's just about nothing she can do that's going to escape his uh, his line of sight. Yeah, there, he she cannot pull the wool over his eyes like uh, she can with Hordak or or Shadow Weaver. Um, and the the clones take Glimmer to uh, Horde Prime's trophy chamber, where he has mementos and souvenirs from all of his conquests across the galaxy. Yeah, probably a lot of references in this room, actually. I would bet, yeah. There's there's probably a bunch of Easter eggs here. And uh, he's brought her here to yet again flex his power. Um, he shows her the very first, uh, the very first thing from the very first world he took. It's a big crystal orb. Basically, she, he basically shows her his first dollar. Yeah, she she gets to see Mr. Horde's first dollar, which is basically just a lawn orb. Um, and she's just like, she's just holding this lawn orb while he explains how futile it is to resist him and how he wants to bring peace and order to the universe. And all she has to do is help him out a little bit, you know, show him how to use the heart of Etheria it'll be fine and then when she's like well if you do that then there's going to be nothing left it's going to destroy literally the entire universe it's not stable he's like yeah that's the point he believes he can shield himself against it and become a the the creator of a new universe one bathed in his infinite wisdom so that's his plan yes he wants to clear out the old and bring in the new spoilers the new is him. The new is him. Uh, and to help her along uh, to, with this cooperation, 
he shows her that uh, Micah is still alive. Yes, he, uh, again, the way he manipulates is, like, fairly clever, right? Like, he is just, like, constantly trying to impress how, like, utterly futile it is to try and resist him, how you are, like, insects before this guy uh, but he also makes sure to really get you where it hurts like he he really pinpoints the the nerves here like he'll be like okay you tried to use the heart of etheria before so you understand you know really playing up to her guilt here and then also like uh you know bringing in another example of like oh well you know if you do what i say you know you and your dad you know you might be able to to live happily ever after here it's i don't know it's, you you would help me cleanse the universe so i guess you 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 could you could live uh un, under my banner if you wanted so again it's very cloying and very like very calculated he's he's a step above um anything shadow weaver uh could do i think like he he's he's a real master of the uh of the game here but uh glimmer defies him smashes his stupid paperweight and says she, she will never help him again and horde prime responds by saying some extremely raw sh- those who cling to the darkness have made their choice cool dude yes he and he doesn't elaborate he does not elaborate on what on earth that could possibly mean uh cool which i mean it sounds pretty bad thanks bro so with the next time we see glimmer uh she is staring down at more weird alien food on a tray this one looks less weird than the dinner from episode one yeah this is kind of like a normal-ish ish plate of food it's weird how much dessert is involved in all of the cooking on this show? Well, the thing is, I bet he knows that she likes sweets. Probably, yes. So this this plate is funny because we've got what looks like long passion fruit, um, a salad that is at least 80% cherry tomatoes covered in like a honey mustard dressing, and an A-shaped cake with ring pops on it yeah like ring pops or gym or something glimmer doesn't look too excited to eat it with the grapefruit spoon she has been provided um yeah no beverage by the way no, no beverage just just gotta eat that dry um luckily she doesn't have to eat it dry because at that point catra shows her face again just kind of zoops in uh lowers the like opaque barrier and and glimmer uh tells her like you know yells at her to go away and and throws the uh the tray at her in a fit of rage but reconsiders after catra actually does start to leave um and there's just this scene where uh catra's very very quietly says like okay and they just sit back to back divided by this door uh on this alien ship yeah it's this it's this little quiet moment and again it reinforces like what i was saying earlier with how like it's just sort of a comfort like they don't exactly like each other uh at all but they're the only familiar thing on this extremely hostile and alien ship that is everyone on board is bound and determined to make them feel as isolated as possible you know it's like taking just a little quiet moment just to like be next to a human person is like you can't take that for granted and and they don't they they just enjoy a little moment and it's i always appreciate the fact that this show is willing to just have that just a small quiet moment because you don't see that very often in like sort of teen-oriented television you know like like animation and stuff like that you just, you don't get that very much i think a lot of times there's sort of a fear that you're going to like lose your audience's attention um even even in like uh, re- normal film like like adult-oriented entertainment uh th- this problem exists where we're sort of the assumption is that you're going to lose your audience's attention if you try to just have like a bit of silence in in your in your media in your sort of piece here and i don't know i just i like that they that they do that they do actually take the time 
to try to get that kind of an emotional moment. There's a lot of good to having, you know, leaving space to just let your characters breathe and do nothing. Um, I really, really like how quiet Katra is throughout this entire episode. She is very clearly, like, beginning to realize how screwed she is and what a horrible position she has put herself in. Yeah, she's utterly underwater right now. Yeah, like her she's not very emotive at all um she's she's very quiet like she never even snaps a glimmer or anything like when glimmer yells at her she just turns to leave it's uh she's not in a good place and maybe uh, we will we will get more about her next episode oh yes but i guess I suppose we should get into the main meat of of this episode yeah so the a plot it's got issues uh, but the a, the a plot is sort of revolving around Entrapta. Um, specifically, the way that this is sort of set up is way back earlier in the in the episode, like ten minutes ago, we were talking about the campfire scene. And uh, while everyone's sort of talking about, you know, how are we going to find Glimmer? Uh, you know, uh, Perfuma has this idea, like maybe they can all meditate to try and find her. But uh, then. Entrapta shows up because she heard someone talking about space, and fuck all that other shit, she wants to talk about space. In theory, I am a fan of this concept, and the ending is alright. I think this is another one where the ending manages to pull it up from a nosedive mm -hmm. enough to where it's not terrible. Like, the, the concept of Entrapta having to kind of navigate these kind of complex social situations and feelings after having been away for so long um, with people who feel somewhat complex about her. I like this. Yeah. I, I think this the setup for this little excursion they do, I think is a really good setup, right? Like this is a good opportunity to kind of explore these complicated emotions and, and these complicated topics but... The execution leaves a considerable amount to be desired. So, obviously, obviously, we've talked about it before. Entrapta is autistic coded. This has been shown several times throughout the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, in much, much better ways than in this episode. Yeah. The, the, the she is kind of cranked up to a much more cartoony level in this episode, way more so than she has ever been before. Because even in the first episode when she was getting very enthusiastic about space, she was not, like, just kind of screaming about it all the time and running around like a maniac. Like, she was still focused on the task at hand. She was just also very enthusiastic about the topic of space. And so to have this episode where everyone is very frustrated with her being, like, aloof and not seemingly not super aware of what's going on, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I, I'm not either. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, like, like here's the thing: the the general setup of like Mermista not necessarily trusting Entrapta to not immediately run off to join the Galactic Horde because it has better technology. I think is a valid concern for her to have based on her understanding of the situation. Uh, I think that like. Entrapta being like, oh, well, you know, I'm more interested in learning about the actual communication network than I am necessarily finding the specific signal to help Glimmer. I, I Not that she doesn't want to help Glimmer, but obviously she's like more concerned with learning about this sort of weird communication system. That's, that's I don't think, the problem. The, the, the problem is I think really emblematic. Okay, here is, if you want to boil the entire thing down to one scene that is like the, like the core of this of this problem nut, right? At, uh, at some point, uh, a little bit further on in the episode, uh, Mermista ends up taking a leadership position. And she's like, okay, we're going to uh, go and try and get this signal, and Entrapta's going to help us, and we're going to find where Glimmer is. So they all go out uh, as a unit and try to sneakily get up to one of these towers. And then 
the through the course of this scene, Entrapta is literally on a child leash and being dragged around and she's completely oblivious and not paying attention to anything and even when she's like caught by one of the prime bots she's like not even really concerned up until the point that it is pointing an armed laser directly in her face yeah and even after that she doesn't seem very concerned at all it's just that that scene in particular especially the bit where Mermista and Perfuma are kind of doing like flag semaphore they're doing charades at each other to try and communicate across a gap and Entrapta just wanders off the child leash it's just it's just like it's not great no I really don't like it I do like the flag semaphore scene though because it's it's very the the it is very funny that perfume is increasing confusion as Mermista's hand signals just get more and more like yeah just erratic <laughs> yeah it's like she has no idea what's going on yeah yeah she and trap is being manhandled a lot in this episode by a lot of people the child leash thing it kind of came up in no princess left behind but it really kind of felt it that got dropped very quickly and also it never really mattered yeah exactly it's it was very brief there and but this this episode's a, just the worst example of it and and then there's this scene where they all get like really mad at her after the the horde bot gets taken out and then the tower wakes up and whatever and everyone just gets really pissed off at her and then like her reaction is just like oh wow you were mad at me like entrapta is not this oblivious so yes she is sort of oblivious and has a hard time telling in what situation it would be appropriate to be afraid and what not to be afraid yeah this is all in character for her this is a like different level where she just is on a completely different plane of reality. It's very bizarre that they chose to write her like this in this episode. Yeah, it's way, 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 way exaggerated. And the reason that I think it's so exaggerated is because they're trying to illustrate a specific point, right? They're trying to illustrate this specific point of like, Entrapta needs to consider other people more than she considers like just getting her hands on like some cool new like piece of technology and it's like yeah sure i mean this is like a fine thing to to establish as like a stepping stone for a character arc go ahead but the level of exaggeration they're pulling is like it's like we like we get it like you didn't have to go to this length because this is all established material this isn't coming out of left field you don't have to like turn her into a caricature to get the concept across to me like you know it, it just it doesn't work and it's like honestly a little bit insulting it's very insulting to me personally and it also the other characters suffer as well, specifically Mermista. This is supposed to be a big episode for her as well. Like, this is her try- kind of trying to fit into that leadership role that, that she she is kind of, you know, she's stepped into from time to time. It's been very clear that Mermista kind of considers herself second in command to She-Ra a little bit. So all of that Sea-Ra stuff mm-hmm. from season two, you know. She, she fancies herself a leader. Yeah. And so she gets a chance to prove it and she finds herself a little bit overwhelmed. But because it's all tied up in all this weird nonsense, this really weird, exaggerated nonsense, she comes out looking like a real dick. Yeah, she comes out looking like a dick, and she also just doesn't get the space required to actually, like, have that as, like, a thing. Like, you don't get the impression that Mermista is, like, uncomfortable with commands, or that she's, like, gotta learn more about being the unit leader. Like, you don't get that impression because she isn't actually doing anything wrong she like doesn't have a concrete plan sure but that's not why the plan fails the plan fails because entrapta fucks it up you know it's it's not her failure as a unit leader it is entrapta's failure to follow orders but it's still framed during that like 
sort of in the middle conversation that like you know oh i can't handle being a leader and then at the very end you get the bit where she's like you know i guess i was like a pretty good leader after all it's like you don't you don't get a sense of progression you don't even get a sense that she was doing a whole lot of commanding like the only thing that she does i feel like that is like you could consider like a failure on her part is like the flag semaphore scene and that's like sure she messed up a bit but the only reason again they were put in that position is because entrapta didn't follow orders so you don't get to have this feeling that mermista is growing as a character here because it's all predicated on information that doesn't lend itself to her story here yeah and you know you know still i'm still thinking about entrapta like the same where she can't remember who glimmer is or like just the the, she's very like the scene where scorpia distracts her by telling her there's like a robot over there and she runs off screen that one's that one's really bad like like the one where she doesn't remember glimmer it's like i i get it if you want to do it for like a like a quick second like oh yeah the sparkly one like sure okay like she's still not quite where she needs to be at yet so that's fine but having her just completely forget who she is is really dumb and especially the the like oh look over there it the look over there scene reminds me so much of this like you know how people online will like be like oh adhd it's like you see squirrel and shout squirrel and go look at the squirrel and i'm like yeah Ugh. uh-huh yeah I, I am well i am well acquainted with that genre of post Ugh. unfortunately yeah no it's not good um and like i said the the end of it is fine like the she she smiles and and everyone is, is welcoming of her sure that's fine like it, I just really feel like there was a better way to do this, a more in-character way to do this for Entrapta. You could have her be, like, stubborn and, and not wanting to follow orders or not explain herself well to other people because she thinks, like, she knows it, so why shouldn't they know it? Like, that's all fine, but the way they went about this is so bizarre and infantilizing and caricatureful that it's like, I don't really get it. She's not like this for the rest of the season. She's not. That's the thing, too, is she's not. And, like, I guess, like, they wanted to get this part out of the way so they could, like, they they could feel like, oh, yeah, you know, people will understand that she's had, like, a character change. But, again, it's just, it's so ham-fisted and insulting the way it's done is, like, it's just, it's, it's a really strange misstep. I feel because the show is generally I feel like pretty good at sort of modeling and talking about like like certain stuff and it's just it's really weird how bad this specific episode gets like the more I talk about it the more I think this might be my least favorite I don't know the the coronation is very annoying but this is also very annoying and insulting yeah the coronation is not it's it's hard because like this episode is like actively insulting but like the coronation has basically almost nothing going for it like at the very least launch has two really competent side plots that i actually quite like a lot um it's just the a plot that sucks really bad yeah so let's finish this up they managed to uh track down the signal to horde prime's flagship that's the good news Bad news is that uh, the last signal he sent to Etheria was an order to form a gigantic blockade. So if Adora and them are going to leave to find Glimmer, they have to do it right now. Yes. So, uh, yeah, when when Adora wakes up, Bo stampedes into the room and is like, hey, it's really good you're up because we need to go. We need to put your shirt on. We got to leave. And so they... I assume they pack a bag or two. We don't see them do it. I would hope so. I'm sure they have, like, I'm sure they've been preparing for this for a while. I'm sure that they have, like, their supplies already loaded on the ship and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone converges on the ship to say their goodbyes. Uh, Micah really wants to go, but can't. Uh, obviously, he has to stay here to hold things down. Yeah. Uh, I actually really, really like the goodbye between Swiftwind and Adora. Yeah, I think that, that scene is actually really nice. Like, Swiftwind is 
he's he's supposed to be here on the planet to help protect it. He's still, you know, empowered by She-Ra. He's still, like, one of the guardians of the planet. He needs to be here to help defend it. And then, then they have this really cute exchange, and he's like, you know, even though you're not She-Ra anymore, I'll always be your steed. And it's just, it's a, it's a really cute moment. I quite like it a lot. Yeah, and so they decide they're going to form a distraction to help the Adora uh, and the gang get off the planet. So Adora, Bo, and Entrapta load onto the ship and uh, fly off while the rest of them... Uh, Micah glamours himself to look like She-Ra, and uh, they, they distract the Horde bots for long enough for them to escape the blockade, to run the blockade, and... Uh, sort of get out into space yes uh it's actually quite funny because at one point um when like the reveal of like uh micah is disguised happens um he just takes the face disguise off but he also but he leaves it off while he continues fighting which is pretty funny he's he's like get my good side and then he just blasts some fire at robots you know as you do as you do and so they we are we are off we are we have slipped the surly bonds of etheria and we are en route to rescue glimmer and i'm sure no complications could arise from that no it'll be great listen scorpia reinstates her hooray at the end it has to be good it's fine it's all fine um so that's where we end launch the a, a big a weird big misstep in uh in the kind of season five train here, they just kind of fall flat on their face, but luckily they managed to pick themselves up and keep going, uh, which is more than can be said for some other shows. Oh yes. Oh yes. Um, we do have, uh, we've got two questions this week. Uh, one on Twitter, one on curious cat. We're saving the curious cat for our, our kind of interesting spoilers on this week. Um, but our, our question this week from Twitter, uh, from Casey Cosmos, is uh, what fictional spaceship would you like to ride in? And, uh, and also a second part, what's something you'd like to see made out of crystal? Uh, I'm running through spaceships in my head. I mean, there's so many cool spaceships, right? I mean, obvious answers like what the Millennium Falcon. That seems like a pretty cool ship to hang out on. Oh yeah, that's... oh yeah, got like a hollow chest table. I mean, you gotta love the hollow chest. Uh, what kind of fictional spaceship would I like to ride in? I mean, I'd love to ride on like the Normandy, like the SR one Normandy. Oh man, that ship's really really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would be awesome. I you know going to like i guess this doesn't really count as a spaceship but i would also love to go walk around deep space nine that counts it's a space station um i mean the ships from treasure planet which are just ships in space oh yeah that's that stuff is super super cool i guess i could just like go to a to like a museum ship of like a galleon or something to get kind of the same feel but i also want to see the space whales I want to see the space whales. And I want to go to Crescentia Station. Uh, that that scene, by the way, if you've never seen uh, Treasure Planet, honestly, just watching um, the scene where they go to Montressor Spaceport, which is also called Crescentia Station, is amazing. It's like uh, the the dog guy who's like the main, like one of the main characters of the of the film. Doppler. Doppler. Yeah, he gestures out the window as they're they're getting ready to to leave on their space adventure and the camera zooms through the window towards the crescent moon and then it's revealed that the crescent moon isn't a moon it is a big crescent shaped spaceport and it's like docks and it's got a blue sky atmosphere it's amazing it's it's a really great transition i i I watched that movie recently for disney minus it really holds up other than the martin short robot um hate i hate the martin short robot completely unnecessary uh but other than that it's really great some really excellent uh character animation on silvers like stuff that just completely explodes my brain every time i look at it silver's stuff especially his hand and this is kind of a tangent but silver's hand actually was a really big deal yes because that was that was some of the first like integrated 3d to 2d stuff that was done at the time and it was phenomenally well done it was like like i have seen stuff come out recently with 2d 3d integration that looks way worse than what they got they they were able to do with silver like that 
everything about it, the design of the hand, the way that it moves around, the way it articulates itself, it feels like a real part of this dude's body. It's great. Yeah, like it's you know, at Disney Minus Pod on Twitter. Listen to my episode on it. I, I quite I really liked it. Um uh, as for the second one, what would I want to see made out of crystal? I mean orb orbs are good, but that's a very boring answer. I wanna see like like a like a like a anime figurine made out of crystal, like a really big one. Yeah, that'd be cool. There's actually one thing I really want to make at some point, which is, um, and I forget exactly uh, the type of crystal that I was looking at that would be really good for this, um, but uh, I really want to make like a small sort of like diorama of the crystal tower. Mm. Um, I would love to have like a little diorama of the crystal tower. That would be awesome. Like a light up one. Yeah, that may be, that, that'd be really build cool. a music box in there that plays the crystarium theme. Oh, of course, naturally. And just cry yeah. about it all over uh-huh. again, whenever I there want. Yeah, that would be excellent. Actually a little, a, a tiny little crystal tower for your desktop. That would, You'd make you'd probably make a killing off of that on Etsy if you really wanted to. Yes, uh, it would be expensive to do if you're making it mm. out of actual crystal, though. Yes. You, you could probably make a pretty decent one out of acrylic, uh, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't feel right. You gotta you gotta get that crystal look. That's true. Uh, but yes, um, that's that's gonna do it for the actual main part of the episode here. But we do have some plugs. Boy, do we. We got a Patreon, patreon.com slash pod of power. Uh, lots of cool stuff happening over there right now. Um, we just finished the Owl Cast, our, our Owl House blind watch podcast. Very good show. Yes, we did. We, we actually just did two uh, back-to-back weekends of uh, the Owl Cast here. It's that that show is amazing. Um, there's in particular in the uh, either the last or the second to last episode, there is an incredible, incredible fight scene um, done by Rough Draft, which is just like, uh, that's it's literally if you don't if you don't watch anything else from the Owlcast, I recommend looking up that fight scene um, at least in and of itself. It is super worth it that's that's some that's some good stuff right there we also have the kipo cast we watched kipo in the age of wonder beasts i think if we go back to on schedule that should be returning next week with more of season two things are really heating up over there oh yes and after that we're starting up our new side show for our three dollar patrons the infinicast where we are watching the uh the series infinity train yes the infinity train is on its way i am excited to get into that um as well we've got more uh bonus content uh as well obviously we've done legends of the flame princess as uh, one of our little bonus episodes uh, we also are going to be, before we get to probably the next episode, actually, of the main cast, we're going to be reading um, Noelle Stevenson's sort of illustrated memoir, and we'll do a bonus episode on that, just sort of covering our more general thoughts uh, before we get into sort of the uh, the background stuff about Horde Prime um, when we uh, we talk about it in the episode proper. Yes, uh, and we will have other bonus episodes coming, such as on that fanfic Noel Stevenson wrote, and on uh, that annotated script for Save the Cat that Universal released. All, all of this sort of stuff. Yes. Uh, that we that we can look at and coming up in sometime in the future. Don't know when yet. Our actual play one shot of for the honor, the Shira inspired Firebrands hack will be happening. We hit the stretch goal uh for that so look be on the lookout for that we'll we'll get we'll we will give you more details as they arrive yes like we said we're gonna see if we can try and find some guests for that one we're gonna try to set that up probably um i would expect that to go up more or less concurrently with the series finale um as like sort of a sort of a cherry on top sort of situation um but yeah that's that stuff is going to be super fun obviously we're really really looking forward to uh to digging into uh into for the honor and finally you can find us on twitter oh of course before i forget patron reads we've got a few we got a quite a few new uh three dollar patrons who joined us this month so uh thank you very much uh special shout out to 
Sam Lane joined today as of this recording. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And of course, to the rest of our $3 Force Captain patrons, Blue Holly, I, Beauregard, Kaylee, Louisa, Garrett Johnson, Ross, Ivy, Emma Lynn, Ashley Butcher, Anelia, Cody, Haley, Moreland, Yusuf Gurch, Ashley, Kyra Williams, Mabel Mabel, Ryan Kuhn, Jennifer Jones, Jess Pumphrey, Leon Lay, Jack Onura, Olivia, Brittany Ray, Michael Steiner, Tara Stark, TCO, Brennan Fitzgerald, Tobu, Emma Grossman, and Robert Harris. I can no longer deliver the uh, patrons in a single breath, so thank you very much. Yes, thank you. It is, again, it's like, it's pretty nuts um, how how much this is this has sort of grown as an enterprise here. So so thank you guys so much for, for supporting us and everything. And uh, yeah, welcome welcome to sort of the 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 big the big end game here. Of course, find us on Twitter at Podcast of Power. We've got a curious cat there. You can keep up with any delays or new things we're doing over there, um, as well as you know maybe we'll retweet funny stuff sometimes. Um, got a uh, Tumblr. I know some people who are getting at us through the Tumblr. Uh, it is defunct pretty much i have stopped posting the episodes there i really fell behind i'm very lazy you see um so you should probably follow us on twitter uh yes so yeah follow us on twitter uh if you have email questions we are still going to do our season five sort of the the series roundup the the end of the series email episode um so so that's coming up at the at the end here so if you have anything you want to get in there that's going to be a pod of power at gmail.com yes indeed and uh that'll do it for plugs i suppose i already plugged at disney minus pod i talk about stuff that's on disney minus most recent episode on the emperor's new groove holds up pretty well still pretty funny uh next episode is on the three caballeros a a very a kind of an old one um kind of a weird one yeah kind of kind of kind of interesting one um but yes that's that's gonna do it for our main episode here today uh so if you're heading out then we'll catch you next time but if you are coming to the spoiler zone we'll see you on the other side spoilers on today we're actually doing something a little bit interesting um we don't necessarily have anything particularly um like analytical to go over entrapta's arc isn't really complete in a way that we want to like cover right now um it's gonna obviously get a little bit more uh stuff going on later on especially with her and wrong hordak but uh but for now we have a really interesting curious cat question right so anonymous curious catcher user says what would you say is the main overarching point of the show like if you were writing a grade school book report on the show it would say this is a show about blank talking broad themes here yeah and this is this is a really interesting question like yeah like like the classic five paragraph you know what i learned in boating school today is sort of sort of essay what i learned in shira school today is what i learned (laughs) in shira school today is uh and it's and it's a tough one to try boiling down everything to such a fine point but i feel like if i had to pick the ultimate point i'd probably go with connection like human connection yeah i think very early on i think we said that this is a show about relationships fundamentally both interpersonal relationships relationships between uh people and their environment relationships between 
empire and subject like all, all of these different relationships playing off of each other on a on a macro and micro scale and how those things kind of thread together exactly exactly it's it's about the the way everything is so interconnected and you, and you look at you look at all of these these individual character arcs and how all of these these people have to grow enough to value their connections right you know um in this episode obviously we're dealing with entrapped and not necessarily putting an enormous amount of value on on human connections which obviously is done very poorly here but like that's that's one of sort of her issues she has to work through yeah the idea behind it is sound it's just that the execution sucked no not yeah uh yeah but that you know, and you, uh, you think about Katra right now, what she's dealing with on Horde Prime ship, surrounded by these all-seeing, all-knowing, unfeeling creatures who, at any point, could just like snap her neck and be done with her. The only solace she has is this one remaining connection she has with someone who yesterday she considered a bitter rival. Exactly, and like, and you think about Katra, right? She like spends almost the entirety of the show constantly constantly talking about how she doesn't need anyone else she only needs herself she's the only one she can rely on everyone else hurts her she is the you know she she can only rely on on her own judgment and her own thing she doesn't need human connections unnecessary she just needs the mission and you know adora she goes through kind of like a similar thing with her character where it's less like I'm the only one who knows what's right, but rather I'm the only one who can save the world. And Glimmer, she's like, I'm the only one who can be the the queen. I'm the only one who can who can save everyone from the horde. It's all of these characters are fundamentally isolated. They're actively isolating themselves. Uh, even all of the princesses have very similar things right perfuma is isolating um when we meet her mermista is isolating frosta is of course isolating probably the most out of any of them and they all of their arcs relate to forging and sometimes reforging these connections um and and coming together and valuing their relationships to each other and understanding that that's really where their strength lies is is in that that uh that interconnectivity and listen stories about power friendship that's nothing new that's all over the place but what's what sets shira apart from other others i think is that it is not friendship is not the simple easy power that defeats the bad guys these relationships are, are shown to be very complex like very much things that you have to work at to maintain and to to put your like investment in to really show that you care to really show to really be there for people we see that with glimmer pulling away from everyone with with Bo, with Bo's speech to entrapta on beast island where he's like friendship's hard sometimes it sucks sometimes you 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 fight but it doesn't matter you have to you've got to you like you have to be there for them because that's what's important and most importantly i think you have this with catra and adora in the latter half of season five exactly it's and and their relationship especially goes through a lot of phases you know you have uh moments where they they rubber band they grow farther apart and get closer together and farther apart and closer together and you get that more towards the front half of the show and you get a little bit towards the back half of the show um and it's it's just it's again it's it's a show in which the the two the two principal characters here the relationship that is that is exists is destroyed and then is reborn um between catcher and adora here is like it's it's it really is the heart of the program it is the most salient example of why these connections are so important this connection that the two of them share saves both of them you know and obviously when we're talking about the heart episodes we think about how much it saves adora but it just by the same coin saves katra they both desperately needed this they they needed to value 
this connection and their connection to others. And neither of them did until they were finally able to open up to each other, until they were able to sort of get over their their internal situations. And they both have a lot of build-up to that, but it isn't really until that final step gets taken that the two of them really get to a more healthy place. And we also, it's not all about the positive connections between people either. You you think about Shadowweaver and Catra, about Horde Prime and Hordak. Like, there are these kind of awful toxic relationships that are albatrosses around 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 the neck to some of these characters like the way that that Katra hears that Shadowweaver is in Bright Moon in uh in in the in the Crimson Waste and just throws everything she got there away like the, the, the where she was happy she was with Scorpio she was with people who thought she was the best thing in the world and as soon as Shadowweaver gets brought up as soon as that as that wound gets reopened she just shoves everything away again to focus back on her exactly exactly she she ends up throwing everything away to spite her to get revenge on her to cast her down because you know for her what really matters is taking the people that hurt her down as many pegs as possible and it's just like the the way that the show covers these these very negative relationships even uh Catradora for especially i feel like um towards the back half of season three um and for and for season four the the toxicity and how that relationship existed um in the form that it was in as well right this like sort of half rivalry where they both toyed with each other but didn't really want to they they weren't fully committed to tearing each other apart until of course the portal happens and it's the way that the show goes through all of this and and really takes the time to explore all of the different facets that these connections have both good and bad that's i feel like really the main theme is just is is connections and the insidious connection that horde prime has with all of his subjects the imposition of his will upon everything and everyone he controls he does not allow them to have any will or personalities of their own the only connection they can ever forge is to him and we see with wrong hordak once they are they are severed from that once they are denied that they are completely lost and hordak for his part like he begins to make his own identity but yet it is still like this warped thing where he can do nothing but like so misery and like around the world and in himself because the only way he can interact with the world is this kind of warped mirror of horde prime's conquest until he finally makes an actual human connection with someone who can engage with him on a level other than that exactly exactly it's you know and and horde prime is a is a great example of these very toxic um connections this like patriarch who sort of conditions everyone underneath of him to only value their connection with him they are all isolated and yet all connected by a single thread to his whim and yeah and again we'll we'll talk at length about this when we get of course uh to to next week's episode because that's really the one where we're going to really dig into what horde prime is about what he represents what um what kind of place that that he exists in both as a character and of course as a piece of writing and and why he is the way he is and we'll get into that next week and also definitely in save the cat oh naturally naturally there's a lot to talk about there i mean like this show is at its best most of the time this this episode not notwithstanding this outlier uh when it is about relationships and the way they are complicated and the way they are wonderful and the way that they are harmful the people's relationship with the planet people's relationship with their nation all of all it's all within this one like bubble there are many ideas you can explore if you just but, but filter down 
with the 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 three paragraph book report Shira is a show about human connections exactly uh and and that's that's about the best way to sum it up i hope we get an a on that book report <laughs> uh a plus even hopefully well next week is going to be a banger um corridors is fantastic uh there's both a lot of great comedy with uh, the ship stuff and the space stuff and a lot of really 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 juicy character drama with Catra and Glimmer. Oh yes, definitely a lot of a lot of contrasting stuff in that episode. Uh, but that of course is for next week. Right. For now, I have been one of your hosts, Jane. I've been the other host, Nero. And We'll see you on the bridge of the Velvet Glove. Oh, that one's not bad. I like it.